It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Today's episode is inspired by a listener who suggested this subject matter. Before I get into this, I have to share behind the scenes. It is about 1 a.m. And I don't know why, but I have had an immense amount of energy today in a very unusual way. And it's been really fascinating for me, especially as I have been extra reflective. It is still 2021, although you're listening in 2022. Again, like I said last week, it it feels weird (laughs) to record episodes in different years than they are broadcast. And it's also funny how even though 2022 is just a few days away from when I'm recording this, it feels like a whole nother time period. It's just bizarre. And I got into that a lot last week. So I'm not going to further explain those feelings. But what I am interested in is the trying to understand why I, I have so much energy today, which may not seem that interesting. But for context, I have been struggling for about two years now. And the reason I know that is because I remember at the beginning of 2020, before the pandemic really hit, in the United States at least... I remember feeling that January so drained and burnt out and I just wanted to rest, but I didn't feel like I could. And I know that's such a relatable thing. So many people have shared that. And so many people said they felt this sense of relief in March 2020 when the pandemic started because it was like we collectively had permission to stop. And honestly, I know I'm not alone in this, but just to speak truly from my perspective, anytime (laughs) that COVID cases rise, gosh, this is going to sound awful, but I'm just going to be truly honest. And this is nothing to do with other people's poor health, although I guess it does. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to even acknowledge this, but I will do it anyways, is that the idea of needing to lock down to protect myself, to stay inside, to not socialize, that excites me because I'm like looking for permission to not do as much. And this has just been an ongoing subject matter on the show, this idea of going against the grain of hustle culture And allowing ourselves to rest, allowing ourselves to take breaks, allowing ourselves to slow down, to pause, whatever that means for you, even though it's not available to everyone. But when it is available to us or if it's available to us, if you're anything like me, I savor that. And that may be because of my circumstances, my personality. There's there's a lot involved and it's very relative But that ties into the energy that I felt today and the reason that I feel so much energy at 1 a.m. 
which is not incredibly unusual for me given that I'm a night owl, but it's different than usual in the sense that usually around this time, I'm winding down. And right now I feel like I took some sort of energy drink, but I didn't. As far as I can recall, I haven't had caffeine since 4 p.m. So I don't know where this is coming from. And it's interesting to me because I've noticed, and this has nothing to do with today's topic, but it felt important to mention because I think it I know that it's been helpful for me to really pay attention to my energy because there are times where I have such low energy that I am just craving a slow pace and I don't feel like I can get through my to-do list. But because my brain is so used to hustle culture and productivity, and that actually ties into something I'm going to mention later. Because I'm, I've just kind of been conditioned to that. I've been wrapped up into it. Perhaps I've been addicted to efficiency. When I feel guilt or shame if I don't feel productive, and a lot of the times I'm not as productive as I would like to be because I'm low energy. So in days, on days like today, in moments like this where I feel like this immense amount of energy, it's very exciting to me because I feel like I can finally get more done than usual. But that in itself is interesting because it's like I have have this sense of like a reward mechanism of like, oh, you're productive and thus you feel good versus, oh, you're not productive and thus you feel bad. And I want to break that cycle. I don't think that's a good thing. <laughs> I really think that's actually kind of disturbing. And that that ties into some of the themes today specifically because one of my favorite guest episodes on this show was with the author Celeste Headley. I'm going to mention her most recent book soon, but her previous book, I think it was the book before the newest one, is called Do Nothing. And it was such an honor to have her on the show. If you have not listened to that episode yet, please do. I will link to it in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you go and search for any episode, you can type in a keyword. You can find the most ep- recent episodes like this one. And there'll be links to everything I mentioned plus the transcript. And I will link to that episode with Celeste and I just geeked out over it. I felt so nervous, by the way, (laughs) having her on the show. And I really feel like I did not do a great job because I was so nervous. I don't know why. I feel... I think at the time I felt very intimidated by Celeste because she's such a phenomenal writer and speaker and journalist. And I just like felt like you know, when when there's somebody that, that you perceive to be much more experienced and accomplished than you, it can be very intimidating. And I wanted to do a great job. I wanted to represent her. I felt like the episode got off to a weird note, plus also behind the scenes. That was one of the very few times that a big tech challenge happened. And we actually had to redo the ending of that episode. And it was such an awful feeling having to email Celeste and her team and tell them that part of the episode got messed up. And 
ask her if she would re-record so that we could release it properly. And she was so gracious in doing so, but I just felt like it was a sign that I wasn't a professional. And perhaps that was all in my head. I don't know. I really wanted to invite her back on the show to talk about her latest book, which I'm going to get into today. But I'm I'm like too afraid. I'm afraid that she like didn't have a good experience. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll get over it one day and find the courage and bravery because I just could listen to her speak all the time. And I want to make sure you know about her work. And her latest book is about racism. And this ties into a little anecdote I want to share with you before I get into the main subject of this episode, but it ties into it. So earlier today, given the immense amount of energy I had, I went to two grocery stores, (laughs) which was a little uncomfortable. Also given COVID, I'm trying not to go out too much. I'm trying to really space out my shopping. But shopping really brings me joy. And I wanted to go to both Trader Joe's and Sprouts. Sprouts Market, for those of you that don't have one in your area, is actually kind of like a combination of Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. I love Sprouts. If I had to pick just one store it would to go to, it would probably be Sprouts because... They have the price points similar to Trader Joe's, but a lot of the products that you could find at Whole Foods at a much lower price. Uh, Plus, they have their own items, their their store brand, similar to to both Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. They have amazing sales. In fact, (laughs) just to geek out for a moment, because I was there right after the end of the official 2021 holidays, like Christmas, they were having a big like, what's the term? Like they were getting rid of all their holiday food inventory, a clearance. And I was so excited because my favorite gluten-free pie crust was only 99 cents. It's normally like $6.99. I could not believe it. I was so excited. They had spices on sale. They had like all this stuff that if, you know, you wanted to use it throughout the year and you didn't mind that it was a kind of quote holiday related food, you could get an amazing deal on it. So that was very exciting. And at the checkout counter, there was this cashier who I think was like new to the store. I didn't recognize this cashier. I go to this location often enough to know some of the cashiers there, but it was mostly because this cashier didn't seem to know how to troubleshoot things and, you know, a little behind the scenes. I I actually got some spices from the bulk bins at Sprouts, which is another reason I like this store that you can just get a small amount of spices instead of buying an entire jar, which saves money and and some uh, packaging. And I brought over the spices. And the first issue was that the code, the, the bulk bin code wasn't registering in the cashier system. And then I went back to double check and I was like, that's actually the right code. So I don't know what's going on. And then the cashier realized it it was because it was such a small amount of spice that it didn't weigh enough to register in the register. So the cashier didn't know what to do, being new, I guess, to the position. And I found myself going out of my way to be nice, accommodating, understanding, even though I felt like long uh, long story short without getting into more details like the cashier didn't feel like 
they were being super accommodating to me that they were just kind of saying, I don't know what to do versus like, let's try to figure this out like some cashiers do, you know, but I felt compassion for this person and didn't want to inconvenience them. And after I left, I was reflecting on why I felt like I was kind of going above and beyond to be nice or kind to this person. And frankly, I realized that one of the reasons was because of the way this person looked. This person was Black and this person was either transgender or non-binary, I'm not sure. But I felt like this familiar feeling of almost wanting to be the nice white woman. And that's an uncomfortable thing to admit, but it's something I reflect on a lot as I study racism, work on being anti-racist and a better ally. I find myself being afraid to be that stereotypical, in some ways, white person or that stereotypical white woman specifically, especially given my age, I guess it's not specifically age-related, but like I'm probably to some people borderline in that like Karen (laughs) age range. I don't know. I don't know what the age of a Karen is. I'm a millennial. So maybe I think a lot of Karens are, are associated with like being a boomer or gen, is it gen X, gen Y? I don't know. I get all the generations confused. But anyways, I feel like generally it's associated with like older women that are older than me and white. But anyways, I have like this fear of being perceived as a Karen. I have a fear of being racist or outwardly racist. I have a fear of not being inclusive, you know. And sometimes I find myself like going above and beyond, especially to people who aren't white and maybe not cisgendered or people that are non-binary. Like It's like I want them to know that I respect them and I appreciate them and I I want them to feel included. But then I wonder if that in itself is racist. And this is where Celeste Headley's book comes in. Her new book is called Speaking of Race, Why Everyone Needs to Talk About Racism and How to Do It. I made it through maybe like three quarters of the audiobook and only like maybe the first fourth of the written book. So I, I'm reading both because this book is fantastic. Celeste herself reads the audiobook. And as I said earlier, I geek out over her work and her voice. And her writing is so wonderful that I actually have a tendency to read her books multiple times. So I bring up the book because it's my favorite resource on racism at this moment. And it feels like it's helping me in a... in like understand things on a whole nother level. I've read a number of books about racism since things happened in June 2020, and I became very clear about how I participated in this. And especially because one of the lines in Celeste's book says, if someone suggests that you are prejudiced, the most accurate response is, yes, you're right, I am. Because the truth is that everyone is biased. And knowing that, which has come up in a number of race books about racism, it's humbling, but it's actually very helpful to just acknowledge the fact that I'm racist, even though I feel like I'm actively trying not to be racist. Through all of my research and reading on racism, I'm realizing more and more because I'm white, because I'm raised in a very racist country, 
I kind of can't help it, I guess, for lack of a better term. And it's it feels awkward to talk about, but you know, as Celeste said, everyone needs to talk about racism. So I think it's important to talk about even if we're stumbling through like I am right now. But this experience tonight at the grocery store was me just reflecting on my racism. Like, why is it that I'm treating someone differently? In fact, Celeste says in her book, a racist is someone who makes assumptions about another person, either positive or negative, because of their perceived race or ethnicity. And I that's exactly what I did. And in a way, it seems maybe like I wasn't making assumptions, but I think I was, right? Like I assumed that this person, because of the way that they look, was assuming something about me. So I was like trying to compensate for it or overcompensate or negate it in some way, like trying to protect myself or protect them in some way, like doing them a service, right? I mean, there's just so many layers to this. And I was fascinated by myself, you know, and not in like a, hopefully not in an ego way, but just like, hmm, this is something I want to examine. And this is part of the reason I feel like it's so important for me and hopefully others to study racism is like, Noticing even the times where we feel like we're doing something either innocent or kind, that still may be a reflection of our racism or our biases. Like, doesn't have to be about race exactly. It could just be prejudices and judgments and biases that we have towards other people, like noticing our behavior, even when it's positive, and how that is part of treating someone a certain way because we who we perceive them to be. Now, this all leads into the topic that Rye, the listener of the show, suggested around why you should be kind instead of nice. And what's interesting is I read this article that Rye sent along. I will link to this in the show notes for you too. This is on lifehacker.com. And again, if you want all the resources in the transcript for this episode, you can find that at wellevator.com, this website, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And I wanted to read a few quotes here for you, but also because I'm still processing the difference between what it means to be kind versus nice. So the article starts off saying that it has felt particularly over the past year, like people aren't being especially nice to each other. Now, the past year, I think is really the past two years, and that's is mostly about COVID. And I find that line interesting. Part of it ties into my experience tonight, because in addition to behaving in a certain way to this cashier because of how I perceive them to be as a person, there was this level of wanting to go above and beyond to cashiers in general, because I've seen some horrific videos and social media posts about what people in all types of customer service positions have gone through, especially in retail. It is awful. And there's a lot of entitlement that goes on from customers. And again, I don't want to be that type of entitled customer, you know, like in this little moment with that cashier tonight, I didn't want to make a fuss over the fact that this cashier was struggling, you know, versus some people that I've seen in videos would be so rude in a situation like that. And I found myself compensating for other people, I suppose, or or trying to make up for it. Like, oh, I'm assuming that this cashier has had bad experiences with other customers. 
So I want to go above and beyond to be the opposite of that, right? And I also find it's really odd that this article is saying people haven't been nice to each other during the pandemic. But I suppose that's true, right? I mean, there's been a lot of division. We've had a lot of things going on politically, especially in the US. We have had a lot of different opinions on how to react to the pandemic. People wanting to make different decisions, people having different beliefs around this. And this has led to arguments. This has led to fights. This has led to aggression and resentment and so many things that I suppose come out in our behavior to one another. So I suppose this article is true. Then the article says that it's time to reevaluate the value of niceness because kindness is much more important and they are not the same thing. You can be kind without being nice and you can be nice without being kind. Kindness addresses the need regardless of tone. In the article, there is a reference to a few different posts online from other people. And one of them said, do you want nice or do you want honest? Do you want nice or do you want kind? Do you want nice or do you want ethical? Do you want nice or do you want effective? Interesting questions, right? And and maybe some of these things we assume to be all part of one another, but perhaps they're either separate or opposite. And that first line about being nice versus honest is interesting. Again, in the context of my experience tonight, I felt like I was being nice, but was it niceness in this, like, I guess the honesty was tied in, but in a way it's even hard to verbalize, like I, just evaluating being honest, being to me, like honesty in that situation is being like transparent, being real, authentic. And if I am treating someone a certain way because of what they look like, is that honest? Is that authentic? If I'm going above and beyond, almost as if I'm representing myself as a nice person when really I have a different motive or a different reason behind my behavior. It's something to examine. And the same thing with, do you want nice or do you want ethical? Is it ethical for me to treat someone differently because of the way that they look? Deep down, I believe the answer to be no, because deep down, I want to treat everyone equally. Uh, that's still a big question mark in terms of it, how possible that is. I I guess I, well, I know, I hope that on, on some level I, I strive for equality, but it's complicated the more I learn about racism specifically. But then I think, well, yeah, what does being ethical look like without being nice? I think this is actually an interesting qu- question too, right? Because I've had experiences with people, and I think Celeste might have brought this up in the book, where it's hard in situations where somebody is behaving in a way that you don't believe to be ethical. And this is a great example of this is like with veganism, myself and many vegans have expressed that it is very uncomfortable to be around people who live differently than you or eat differently of you than you because it is in opposition of your ethics, right? But 
Oftentimes, vegans feel like they need to be really nice and ignore their ethics because they want to please others. They don't want to make others uncomfortable. So somebody, I mean, I don't necessarily do this. I can't think of an example of it, but I've heard others who will eat non-vegan food simply because they want to be nice and they're afraid of standing up for themselves and thus their ethics and the way that they eat because it's it feels more important in that moment for them to be kind to people by accepting their food. Like they feel like they would be rude to turn down their food. I've especially heard this in the context of like going to different countries or being in situations with different cultures and where it is perceived as rude if you don't accept somebody's food or or a family member or someone important in your life makes you something and they put all this heart into it. You may feel like it's rude to turn it down despite it not matching your ethics. And that's always kind of disturbed me, right? Because I understand the desire to please others and not be rude. But I feel strongly about my ethics. I, I feel like I would rather be rude and in alignment with my ethics. And the same thing comes up with COVID. It can be incredibly uncomfortable to talk about your COVID preferences and beliefs with somebody who has different preferences and beliefs. But I value my safety and my health and other people's safety and health. So I feel like I have to stand up for myself even if I'm afraid it's going to make someone upset. You know, many of us have been in those situations. In fact, I feel like most of us, if not all of us have. Going back to this article, think of kindness as the act that accompanies or replaces your words. It's silently helping a struggling mom of three kids unload her groceries into her trunk rather than smiling and saying, you're doing a great job, mama. It's bringing a pot of soup to your sick friend rather than sighing sympathetically and saying, hope they feel better soon. You're kind if you shovel your neighbor's car out from a pile of snow, stop to help a stranger change a tire, or pause to give an obviously lost person some directions. So in this way, I mean, I suppose I could say that I was being kind to this cashier tonight by... <laughs> I don't even know why I'm bringing it back to this and. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess like looking back on my actions in the context of this recent experience, maybe I was just being nice. Like, was I being kind? I mean, what was the act there? I guess my view of my act was like when this cashier was struggling with the spices, ultimately we resolved it. The cashier just made up a price. And part of me wanted to like calculate the right pricing and make sure that I wasn't overpaying, but I felt like I was being nice. And perhaps my kind act, if there was one there, was accepting the price that they offered to me quickly so that they could move on to the next person. I don't know. Was that kind or was that nice? I I guess I still have to reflect on that. But certainly there are moments where I've been faced with the decision of saying something nice versus doing something kind or both combined, right? Like I like these examples of one that comes to mind for me also happens to be in the context of like a grocery store or something as like a stranger drops something and you could say something kind to them like, oh, don't worry about it. Or it's okay. I've been through that myself versus going and helping them pick something up, right? Like I love doing stuff like that, but I also recognize that 
it feels so good to help someone. Like I feel like a better person. Like, oh, look at me and look what I just did for this stranger. Look how I went out of the way. Like there's there's also this like self-serving side of it. It's not really altruistic. Uh, I remember in when I was studying psychology, I think in college or high school, we talked about whether or not altruism exists. Like, are we ever doing something truly for others or are we always motivated deep down because of the reward or the the good feeling that doing something kind gives us inside, right? Like, can it truly ever be a... Like, is it possible for something not to be about us? Because as human beings, we feel this motivation to do things for other people because it makes us feel good. It makes us feel like we're a good person. It's humbling. (laughs) The article ends with this line. If the current state of things has worn us down so that we need to rebuild one skill at a time, start with kindness. And given the definition of kindness, the clarity of kindness here, I think that's so important. And that that's why I actually picked this topic for this episode because it's still the beginning of a new year. And we're rebuilding, even though we're still going through the pandemic, at least as far as I know. Every day it seems to be changing. But we can still rebuild in the midst of change. Right. And we are rebuilding personally on a lot of levels at the beginning of a new year. And collectively, we are doing so. And it seems obvious to lead with kindness, but I think it takes a lot of awareness and intention. And maybe that's because so many of us feel like we're suffering. In the previous episode, I talked about depression and anxiety and stress and the blues, right? And how it's hard sometimes to be kind when you yourself are struggling. That was also something I reflected on tonight with the cashier because as I was thinking about why I felt like I, quote, went above and beyond when in hindsight, it's not like I did this great act to this cashier, right? Like maybe by telling you the story, you're thinking, Whitney, that really wasn't that big of an act of kindness or being nice. In the moment, I I think it was more me thinking it was a big deal because of realizing who I was interacting with and why I felt motivated. That felt big to me because I had to examine racism and prejudice within myself. But I also felt this level of wanting to to be extra nice and or kind to cashiers in particular, as I mentioned, because I associate them with not experiencing a lot of kindness. I have had so many experiences of asking a stranger, specifically a stranger that works in any sort of customer service or service role, of asking them how they're doing and their response to be either, oh, you're the first person to ask me that today. Thank you for asking. And me feeling a little taken aback, like really? No one's asked you how you're doing? That's kind of sad and or them telling me very honestly how they're feeling. In fact, that has kind of become the norm. I built this habit of asking cashiers in particular how they're doing and trying to like ask it in a genuine way, make eye contact with them, like try to indicate to them that I am actually curious. So versus like, you know, that typical, hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And it's just like, it's a small talk or like a weird 
filling in the awkward silence while they're scanning our items. I try to ask in a genuine way so that they feel like they're being seen as a real person. I noticed that also with this cashier. And again, the racism level, like I wanted this person to feel seen as a person, not just someone in a role and not ignored because of the way they look, which the more I study racism and see how poorly people that are not white, that are not cisgendered, that are non-binary, like so many people that are quote different or maybe not even different, but treated differently because of who they are and how they look. So many people feel ignored or brushed aside or treated poorly. And so it's important for me to acknowledge them as being equally equal to me and just valuable and respected. I guess that's what it is too, is I want them to feel seen and respected. So making eye contact, thanking them, asking them these deep questions feels important to me. And the other level of this is knowing that a lot of them are struggling just like we are, you know, like thinking about, can I put myself in this person's shoes? Like, have they been treated poorly today? And would it make them feel better to have one nice exchange? If I'm the only person that's kind or nice to them, that that shift at work, that means something perhaps in their day. Maybe that makes their day just a little bit better. Are Am I putting myself in their shoes and literally thinking about, are their feet sore because they've been standing all day at work? I used to work retail and man, I got so tired. I mean, even just like barely doing anything at work, like just being in a customer service retail environment feels draining and exhausting if you've never done it before. Same thing with like a the wait staff at a restaurant. Like that's such a hard job. In fact, uh, I saw, I think maybe it was some TikTok videos or something just about how incredibly mentally hard that work is, especially during COVID. Anyways, going back to this article and acknowledging the current state of things is like, can we go out of our way to be kind as much as possible, even if we are struggling? Or maybe even especially if this is something I brought up in the previous episode is like, if you're struggling, one of the best ways for you to feel better is to do something kind or nice for someone else, right? Or to to be nice or to do something kind, I guess, if we're using the official definitions from this article. And again, even if you're motivated to do something kind to someone simply because it makes you feel better, I guess that's not hor- a horrible thing, right? Because it's still kind. And even if that person knows that you're being kind just to make yourself feel better, I guess it's still important to do if that if that makes sense, right? Like, I mean, this all ties into our deeper motivations. And this is this is a complicated thing the more I reflect on this. And and maybe it seems silly to go into such detail, but I'm fascinated by just human behavior and motivation. And the other thing that was interesting that this article very gently touched upon was like, for some reason, it fixated or gave examples on people from the East Coast of the United States versus the West Coast. 
And I was especially fascinated by this because I grew up on the East Coast and I've been living on the West Coast. Uh, and I think I'm I'm getting close to about half and half of my life on each coast. So it's like they feel like they've been equally influential, even though our brains are so formed by our childhood. So my development on the East Coast, I suppose, is very different from how I've developed as a person, as an adult on the West Coast. But there was like all these debates in the comment section of this life hacker article about different person, how like each coast is so different. And that in itself just felt weird to me because I've met plenty of people on the West Coast that remind me of people on the East Coast and vice versa. People say that East Coast people tend to be very formal. They are, their manners are very driven by providing for other people's needs versus people on the West Coast are nice, but they're not like prescriptive, one person said, or like they're not about like helping you. I guess they're just nice versus kind, where maybe East Coasters are kind, but not necessarily nice. Hmm. I guess you could say that's true, but also... It depends on where you are on each coast. There are a lot of different cities and parts of each coast. Anyways, I just thought that was fascinating given my history. Now, the other thing I wanted to touch upon was some questions that Rye had asked in the context of this article. One question was, have you experienced any of the things listed in this article because of your gender or felt that things were done based on the situation that you were in around certain people? And this is fascinating. Um, I'm trying to think. Certainly people have treated me differently because of my gender. Absolutely. As a woman, like sometimes it works to your advantage, right? Uh, but that also depends on how you look, right? Because you can be a certain gender and maybe you sexualize yourself and are treated differently because of how you're dressing or because of how you're walking, because of how you're acting. You know, I tend to feel less confident when I'm not wearing makeup or my hair in a certain way or clothes, even though these days I rarely wear makeup or do my hair or you know, fixate on my clothes. It's not something I'm passionate about and I don't really want to be judged for those things. But simultaneously, I feel uncomfortable because I'm afraid that people will think less of me because I'm not dressing up, because I'm not pleasing the male gaze, as they say. This is actually a subject matter I want to dive into in another episode. So the short answer, the quick answer is yes. I feel like some people have been nice to me because I'm a woman I I feel like people have been kind to me because I'm a woman and and sometimes that's men, sometimes that's other women. You know, it all depends on the case, but I definitely have experienced it. And sometimes people have uh, maybe not been very nice to me because I'm a woman. And it goes back to my original example, me being a white woman, sometimes I I perceive non-white people as treating me differently because I'm a white woman. In fact, I brought this up on an episode, I feel like there was a guest on the show, but I can't recall who it was. I asked, I'm fairly certain I asked one of our non-white guests about white women being terrifying to non-white people, like how white women in particular can feel more intimidating than white men. And that was a surprise to me. I I, I can't remember if I read that in a book 
or an article or saw it in like a TikTok video. And that's why I brought it up in the previous episode, which I wish I could recall, but maybe the phenomenal team that uh, puts together the show notes of this episode will be able to track down <laughs> but that episode. Um, and if so, that'll be linked in the show notes at wellevator.com if you want to go listen to it. But I, I read or saw this comment somewhere and brought it up to a guest. And I think the guest said, yeah, actually, white women in particular can be very intimidating or scary for a non-white person. And that's because white women tend to get a lot of sympathy from police, from the government, from other white people. Like white women uh, have a history of playing the victim or manipulating people because of their race and their gender, because of the color of their skin. And that's not something I've ever had to think about until somebody pointed it out. And that in itself is a privilege and that's part of racism. So this is what I mean. Like there are so many things that go on that we don't even know until someone points it out because they've been impacted by it. So that also ties into my whole behavior tonight, right? Like I don't want to participate in that. Uh, but sometimes I don't know if I can help it, right? Like that's just part of the system right now. Um, another question was, are, are you being favored by being a certain gender or a type of person? Yes, absolutely. Uh, as I just said, I, I believe so, unfortunately. Um, another question was like, do you feel like being nice or kind to a person of the same gender or gender presenting uh, can feel like weird or uncool uh, by society? That's kind of interesting. I think as a woman, generally, there's like this feminine energy where it's ex totally acceptable for women to be nice and kind to other women, other men, other people, regardless of their gender or gender presenting or um, but for men or people that are, um, identifying as men, I think there's a big stereotype that it can be weird if they're nice to other men or, uh, male presenting people, um, or maybe even non-binary people. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a man, nor do I, um, identify as one. So I, haven't had that experience. This is, this is where Jason's perspective as a former host would have come in handy. But every, I think every person has a different experience and pers perspective on this based on how they relate to the world and, and how they've been treated and what they look like. And, you know, there's so many factors in all of this. And this is why gender, I think gender fluidity and non-binary is becoming increasingly important because this whole like gender stereotypes and gender roles are so frustrating because few things really have to do with it on a whole nother tangent. I've been increasingly irritated by gender reveal parties, <laughs> something I, I would love to get into with a guest who's much more knowledgeable on this. Like, isn't it bizarre? Like, if you really think about it, the fact that we celebrate a baby's gender before they're even born is like immediately placing them into categories in our brains, placing them into context in other people's lives. And then like 
projecting things onto this child before it's even out of the womb. Like that's so strange. And it's no wonder that we have these types of questions. Like, can we be nice to someone of the same gender? Like, can we be kind? Is it weird to be kind? Is it uncool? Is it unacceptable? Like what? Like if we truly want equality, it shouldn't have anything to do with gender or how somebody presents themselves, right? But it does. And that in itself is just so bizarre. Um, yeah. And actually, the last question that Rye asked in the context of this article is something I've already addressed, which is um, noticing this amongst other people and other racial groups. And, you know, obviously the the answer is yes, like we do have a tendency to treat people in certain ways and maybe make decisions about how nice we are and how kind we are, what actions that we take because of how someone looks or because of the category that we're placing them into uh, for a variety of reasons. And ultimately, if it isn't clear already, I would like to see us just treat people kindly and be nice to any everybody and, and just practice it. I think it truly takes practice. And certainly there may be a reason why you don't have the energy to put effort into being nice and kind. And that's okay. We are human beings. We are flawed. As I started off this episode with, I know what it's like to feel low energy. I know what it's like to want to be introverted. I know what it's like to be grateful uh, for COVID because that quote gives me permission to slow down, even though that's kind of messed up when I really think about it. I'm grateful that there's a, when there's a lockdown happening because the hospitals are overflowing. Like when I stop and think about it, I really want to shift the way that I feel because I certainly don't want to be grateful for other people's misfortunes. But it also shows something that I'm noticing in a lot of people that our society, in the way that it's structured, especially due to things like capitalism, or mainly because of capitalism in a lot of ways, um, we have this pressure to hustle, to be productive, and to be efficient, to make money, to go, go, go. And the only time that we feel like we have permission to stop is when either we are sick or other people are sick. And that's not right in my book. Just like I don't want to not be nice to someone or be unkind to someone because of who I perceive them to be. I don't want to put myself first uh, and think that I'm more important than them and thus my priorities come before them. You know, uh, ideally, that's not how I would operate. But I also have to recognize that in many ways, we do need to put the oxygen mask on first. And um, I guess that gives us a good reason to stay home if we're not feeling good, if we're feeling low energy, to avoid other people. If you're in a bad mood, if you're not feeling good, maybe just don't socialize. Because if that puts you at risk of being unkind and not very nice to someone, it's not good for anyone, right? <laughs> so take care of yourself first. So you have the energy and the motivation and the ability to be nice and kind. I guess that's a good note to end on. I would love to hear your thoughts. This is this is a lot more of a, a deeper subject matter than I ever thought, the subject of being nice and kind and the differences between the two. So thank you to Rye for sharing this article, for asking the questions. And uh, thank you for listening. 
as I've said many times before, I really love hearing from you. It makes my day when I get an email or a social media message from people like you who listen to the show, who have something more to say about it, who want to talk about it in depth, who have their own reflections on it. It helps me become a better podcast host. It helps me come up with other ideas. And it also helps me recognize how this show impacts your life. If you have feedback, if you have requests, if you have topics in mind like Rye did today, please send them to me. Anything you want to say, send me an email or a DM. You can find all the contact information easily along with the transcript and the resources that I've mentioned at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. I'll be back with another episode this coming Friday with a special guest. I have so many great guests lined up for you. I have been just trying to find all sorts of unique people, people that I haven't talked to about certain subject matters, people from around the world, people from different backgrounds, just true diversity in every sense of it. If you also have a guest recommendation or a specific type of guest you'd like to hear on the show, please let me know and I will go seek them out or take your recommendation and contact them. It just brings me so much joy to have all different voices on the show. I hope you enjoy it too. That's every Friday. I'll be back with another solo episode next Monday. Wishing you all the very best. In the meantime, take care of yourself, be nice and be kind. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.